Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Sunday Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shimanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future Jiu-Jitsu world champion in attack by Gordon Ryan, Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, it is UC Vegas uh, 66. We've got to recap that. However, we also got to talk about a bit of news. Most importantly, this is the Sound Off Awards show. So uh, my personal favorite episode of the year, probably. Uh, it's always the most fun. Um, not to say that I don't enjoy the show every week, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, very, very excited to go over that. I hope we talk about all that, though. Real quick, two sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. First off, you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com. Use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. They keep me fueled up going through the day. Uh, about to start hitting the gym real soon, and they're going to help me there as well. Give me Help me get those gains. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Elixir. Elixir is currently one of the leading distributors of eight, Delta 8, 9, and 10 products. The lab tested products includes vape, gummies, joints, and gels, among other things. Please check your local laws to ensure that you're in a state where Elixir can ship to you. For fans of the Quartzite Saddle Podcast, Elixir is aligned 10% off with the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your needs at Elixir. Uh, before we get into the awards, you got to go ahead and recap UC Vegas 66, which happened last Saturday night from UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. The U- last UFC card of the year, it ends with the middleweight main event. And uh, Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland went out there and did the damn thing for 25 minutes. Kind of a weird fight. Uh, I don't think it was a bad fight, like a lot of people were saying on Twitter, but it was just kind of a weird one. Um, Sean Strickland using the jab, being on the back foot. I, I'm pretty sure he massively outlanded Jared Cannonier, at least according to like the strike total. However, Jared Cannonier landed some really big shots, man. And in the end, he ended up getting the win by split decision, 49-46, 46-49, 49-46. Uh, predictably, Sean Strickland was pissed off by the scorecards because when is he not angry? Uh, Angel, what are your thoughts on the fight itself and uh, ultimately the scorecards? You know, it was a little underwhelming. Right? Can we, can we, I think for the, the two guys that were in there, hmm. uh, I think we can both agree on that a bit. Uh, at the same time though, I mean, you genuinely have to agree. It was a hard fight to score, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like they said, I think the judges, I remember that the, the fight ends and the commentary said, this is, they're like, this is gonna be a nightmare for the judges to score. And, oh, yeah. uh, no, I mean, I was in full agreement. I did think Jared won. I thought he had the, the damage, Darren Elkins. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was still a good fight. I don't think it was bad. Obviously, uh, you know, in the end, uh, Sean Strickland was wearing it a little bit more with the nose and the, and the blood that was visible. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it genuinely was a hard fight to score, I think. I think if you go, I don't know, maybe I need to maybe go back and watch it and maybe score it for myself again. But in, in the moment, I was like, I, I think Jared, I think Jared took one. I give him the nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I I scored it for Sean, but it's not to a degree the way or like this was an, an incredibly tough fight to score. Josh is like this was a highway fucking robbery. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I that's how Sean feels, but I mean, I look, dude. I mean, this is a, this is a fight where neither guy went out there and really put a stamp on it. I mean, I thought uh, I was surprised. 
I was a little bit surprised. I was very surprised at how the, the way the fight the win, like the way, um, just because like Jared Cannonier is like a guy who goes out there and lands some bombs, man. And to be fair, he did land some bombs here. Sean Strickland just ate him really well. I thought Sean found a home for his jab. He landed a lot of low kicks. It ultimately comes down to like, okay, what do you value more? Do you value like the jabs or do you value like the power shots, which are coming on a less frequent, less frequent rate? So. I, I gave uh, the fight to Sean. I think I gave him one, two, and four. But at the same time, you can easily flip those around. Like, every single round is close. Like, I legitimately think you could score, like, this fight. With the exception of, I think, like, round five, I thought was a pretty clear Jared round. Um, I remember because he landed some bombs in that one um, and, and busted up Sean's nose really badly. So, I mean, look, dude, I think 50-45 Jared to 49-46 Sean is a completely reasonable scorecard. And it's very rare to be in that circumstance. But, dude, this is just a weird-ass fight. You know, this is a very strange fight. Um, for Jared Cannonier, man, what do you think about this win for him? What do you think it does for him? Uh, the middleweight division, get granted, uh, there's a whole lot of um, – there's a lot going on right now, man. I mean, obviously, Izzy, Pahaya, too, probably going to happen next. We don't know what's going on with Whitaker and Costa. What do you think about this win and where it kind of moves him? I, I, I don't think it's a lot. Obviously, he needed a win, right, because he was coming off the loss because of the – his last fight was against Izzy, right? He hadn't fought since then, right? Yeah, correct. And I think the person who really needed this win, not necessarily because I think they're in a bad place for Sean, you know, obviously he had the Pehea KO loss, you know, with this, he could have at least got himself in the conversation for maybe another top five fight, potentially get himself set up for a potential title fight if Izzy was to win, right, and Pehea were to lose if that fight goes down between them two and Izzy wins or whatever, you know, he was building himself back up where he should be. I, I don't think he's... In a terrible spot, I think he's kind of just back where he was at before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of unfortunate, too, because I thought the winner of this fight really had a potential, depending on how it went, obviously. It not be the next guy in line. And this is what I've always said. Like, it's very important to be the next guy in line. you got to win all your fights. However, the best position to be in outside of that is the guy in line if that guy, the other guy falls out. You know what I mean? And all the time in MMA... You see dudes will get hurt or whatever it may be, and boom, a guy that, like, oh, he shouldn't get the title shot? Well, shit, it's weird circumstances, so he is. You know what I mean? Like, that's why Jamal Hill, Wilbur Teixeira, they're next man up. They're fighting for a title. You know what I mean? Earlier this year, Korean Zombie, he was next man up whenever Max got hurt against Volt, title shot. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of circumstances that go into this thing, and so I thought the winner here, if they got a big win, they could be that guy to where it's like, oh, shit, Adesanya got hurt in training. Who are they going to call? Oh, shit, Jared Canyon just got a huge win. Let's call him and have him versus Pahea because that would be a banger. Instead, this fight kind of, it's it was so super close. Neither guy made a big statement. You know, it's it's tough. But, um, yeah, I feel like he's in the same position he was before, which is unfortunate. I'd like to see him probably fight Robert Whitaker next, which we'll talk about why he's free at the end of the show. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in moving forward. In my opinion, the real main event was the co-main event. Um, Armand Sarukian. He's been my boy for a long time. I got, you know, the Angel, this is, this is the fun thing about MMA, is like, you don't root for teams, but you got your, you got your boys, you know, like, you got a, you got a stable of boys that you're always rooting for. Armand Sarukian has been my boy for a long time, but even then, going into this fight, I was like, Demir Ismagulov is a savage, dude. This guy is just an absolute, I mean, what was it, what was his winning streak? 18? Remember correctly? 19? Something like that? He's beaten some monsters. Armand Sarukian shuts him the fuck down. Insanely impressive win in the co-main. 
beats him by decision, 30-27 across the board. What are your thoughts about his victory? I'm, I'm not surprised. I talked about it on the show. I thought people were, were uh, not over not overhyping Demir, but if you go back and look at his fight, there were some moments of struggle against some opponents where I'm like, okay, look, I, I'm kind of not – I'm not saying I'm worried, but I'm like I, I don't know if these other guys would have the same kind of trouble that he did and get himself in the kind of situations he did at the time. And nevertheless, he didn't have a terrible showing against Armand, but it wasn't a good one either, right? He still lost. He he did defend some takedowns. He did give him some, you know, he made him work for it. But, it, I mean, it, it was still what I expected. And I even said, I'm like, guys, this is a 100% sure Armand Sirou can win. I don't know why people are questioning it, you know? It's not mm-hmm. to say the guy's not tough on the other end. He doesn't have this impressive streak, right? Obviously, if you look at it on paper and you explain how, if you just say how the records are, what the winning streaks are, you know, you you might have just thought Demir was about to maybe walk over him, but I'm like, that's not going to be the case at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I so I mean, I picked Armand, and that's not surprising. Like I just said, he's my boy. I was very shocked at how easy he made it look. Not surprised at all that he won, but uh, yeah, man, he really shut him down. And for a guy in Armand, this is a, this is a win he badly needed. Not in this, not in the, like, the idea of he'll, he'll be cut or anything, but he's coming off a loss, Mateus Gamrat. I feel like he kind of had a bit of his shine taken away, even though I feel like most people thought he won that fight. Still, still an L on the record, and for a guy who had so much momentum, I mean, Jesus Christ, you look at his fight before that, he murdered Joel Alvarez, so I mean, <laughs> uh, it just kind of holds his momentum, but dude, huge win form here and uh very excited to see who what happens to the next he he called out everybody man he said like you know fucking Oliveira, Gaethje, Dariush, Chan- like he wants everybody and that's the type of energy that I love and I think it's only a matter of time before he's fighting Makachev again for the belt like that's that I like I said with within the fucking by 2024 I see that fight happening again uh, maybe even before that. So, uh, as far as the rest of the card goes, man, I mean, main, main card, straight up all bangers. It, it prelims a little bit iffy, but what are some fights that you really want to talk about coming out of this UC, uh, Vegas 66 card? Um, man, where, where do we start? I think we got to talk about Drew Dober, Bobby Green. I think we can't overlook that, right? I think that's the point of interest. I think of the main card, obviously, they're, they're obviously like Alex Caceres, Emerald Bazio, also great performances and finishes on the card, but, Man, that fight was uh was a banger, right? Obviously it was uh was it a round and, and a half, right? We didn't obviously uh make it too far in the second, I don't believe or I don't even remember what point we reached in the second. But uh nevertheless, I mean early on Bobby Green was looking solid. He he was giving Drew Dober some struggle some trouble, I mean. Uh mm. it was making him struggle, but uh oh, yeah. uh obviously. But um you know, it, uh, Drew Dober kind of had to, like, pull himself together, kind of bring it back in, and he ends up getting a, I mean, crazy finish in, in the uh, in the second. I even remember, Josh, it's been a while since I've had a, a one of those reactions where I, I speak out loud and I have a reaction. You know, sometimes I'll have, like, a silent reaction. I'm just like, oh, or, or maybe it's like, oh, shit. I was like, I remember I literally went, holy fuck, he just knocked out Bobby Green. Like, <laughs> word for word, I said it, Josh, out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty. Surprising. I mean, I, I I think I texted you. I was like, "Holy shit, he just murdered Bobby Green on live television." I mean, you know, I saw that text way later on, and I was like, "Which one is he talking about?" <laughs> oh know? yeah, no, I was talking about Jude over Bobby Green, man. He killed him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's uh, the only 
I mean, he's been – Bob Green's had some tough losses before. Um, I know that Poirier knocked him out way back. He was 199, and obviously he just lost a mock to by TKO. But, like, this one – this is probably the first time I've ever seen anybody, like, put him out cold, you know? Like, Jesus Christ, that was a right hand from hell, dude. Drew, Drew Dover, he, he's a dog. And I really want to see – he called out uh, called out Patty. Uh, do you think that's a fight they'll make? <laughs> I said that he should get the winner of this, Josh. I know, I know, but do you think it's realistic, though? I don't think it's unrealistic. Fair, <laughs> fair. Um, I think Bobby Green versus uh, Patty makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know if he'll do it, but... Um, I feel like they could do either guy. They could, they could do it, and... Uh, and even though this is a dude, Bobby Green's in a great position because he, this is, he's a guy that like no matter win to lose or draw, he's not going to lose stock because like dude, if you look at all of his fights, they're all bangers. Like he's never really been in a boring fight. Even this one, he got knocked the fuck out. But you know what? Up until that point, insanely entertaining. And Drew Dober was talking about. It. He's like, yeah, man, he was he was talking shit to me in there, and I was trying to talk back, but like he's so much better at it than I am. <laughs> like, it was just effortless, you know. I try to hit him to the body. You're like, oh no, you ain't doing that. Like it's just, it's just hilarious. I mean, I, I love me some Bobby Green. Uh, hell of a win by Drew Dober, though. I mean, as far as the rest of the car, the main car goes. I mean, Amir Albaz got a huge win. I was not super surprised by that. That kid's a dog. Um, I mean, Alex Caceres, though. That's this is probably the biggest surprise of the card for me. I mean, Alex Caceres taking on Julian Rosa, Juicy J. Uh, he's been on a hell of a run, dude. I think he won like seven of his last eight, and he beat some really good names in there. And then, and then Alex Caceres, dude, with a head kick from hell, just puts him on his ass and gets a knockout in the first round. What do you think about him? And honestly, like Alex Caceres, thirty-four years old, he seems to be hitting his prime. It, it's kind of weird. Uh, six out of his last seven. What do you think about his one? Like you're saying, and we've kind of been talking about it, he's kind of gotten this resurgence. It's It seems like he's going to – how do I put it properly? It, it's his time to get it together, be active, and get in these big-name fights. Obviously, he he fell short in one when he when he fought Sadiq Yusuf. Obviously, that would have been really good for him. It's only one in there, though, Josh. I mean, how many fights is it? One, two, three, four, five, six – Seven out of his last seven, he's won six. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna miscount there real quick, but still, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if he's in the top fifteen right now. I don't. I think he just barely got pushed out not too long ago. Yeah, he got pushed out recently. And I mean, he's he's right there, and he could really, you could really give him any guy in the top fifteen. I think he's deserving of it, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Well, no, actually, I'm seeing it now. He's now fifteen again. <laughs> so. uh Back in the rankings, great position. Uh, I'm not sure who they give him, but I hope they give him someone who could give him. I, I, I don't know. He deserves a big opportunity, I think, in, in a good matchup. I agree. I completely agree. Um, I don't know who, who who he will fight next, but I think that he's kind of earned that shot. And it's kind of funny because he's really forced UFC's hand recently. I mean, if you looked at um, his entire win streak, they never they didn't put him in the rankings until like. Actually, he just re-entered the rankings at 15, just so I can go ahead and note that. But, I mean, if you looked at his win streak, I don't think that they put him in the rankings until he beat Choi Sung-woo. Like, they, they, he was really forced their hand. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where, what happens next with Bruce and Leroy, man. He's had a hell of a run that I did not expect it. Um, any other fights in this card you want to talk about, man? I mean, I thought Matthew Snellsberger defeating Jake Matthews was a surprise, but not a surprise if you watched Jake Matthews' career. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, no, like like I told you in the green room, I it's it's if you watch that fight and get rid of the knock uh, the of the knockdowns, Jake Matthew looks great on the stand up. <laughs> he looks good, but the issue is he got knocked down three times, yeah. once in each round. I mean, literally the worst case scenario. Yeah, correct. I mean, he looked. I mean, I think it kind of just shows that he's not a finished product yet, which is fine. I mean, he's a guy that it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to forget. But uh, well, well, if you listen to this show, it's hard to forget. I keep on saying it. This dude's only in his twenties. Like he's been in the UFC for over a decade, I believe, or at least close to a decade. But he's still out here. He's still improving. Uh, he's not a he's not a finished product yet, though. And I think this fight kind of kind of shows it. Even though he went out there and got a huge win last time, he's not perfect. So we'll see what happens with him next. Matthew Smellsberger, though, dude, he's kind of emerged to be one of those guys that, like, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a banger. And uh, he's only been in the UFC for two years, but he's had some massive, massive fights and a bunch of highlights, dude. Um, so cannot be happier for him. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov got a nice win. Hoffa Garcia nearly died. So <laughs> I heard. Yeah, he's taking on um, Hayesir. I, I don't even know how I would say it. Hayeser Mashite. Hayeser Mashite. We'll go with that. How about that? Anyways, uh, Hoffa Garcia, apparently, this is why I've always said it's, probably, it's a little bit dumb. You see, it's not stop a fight. You can bleed all you want as long as your cut's not in a given area. So these guys let this dude fight, and he nearly bled to death because he lost 25% of the blood in his body. Because he, <laughs> he, I guess he, he, I guess it was like an artery. And they didn't know until post-fight. So this motherfucker nearly almost died. <laughs> and uh, I, I've always said that's incredibly dumb that they don't uh, they do not do that. Because remember, who else had this problem? Yeah, not the same problem. Damon Jackson, who fucking bled out not too long ago. So it's just kind of weird. But uh, uh, Josh, uh, just bleed, you know? <laughs> right? That's the, way, that's the way the UC doctors feel about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, other fights on the card. I mean, Manel Cape got a huge win. Not too unsurprising overall though this is a nice card to end the year man um it's no UC pay-per-view or anything but a whole lot of fun angel are you ready to break in to the sound off awards of 2022 because uh it's, it's time to recap man it's been a hell of a year it's, it's not been the greatest year for the UFC but it's been very entertaining so um how do you feel just about this year overall, man? I saw some people saying, like, oh, yeah, this is the worst year in UFC history. It's been so boring. Yada, yada, yada. I think it's all overblown. But just, like, looking back on your 122 as a, as a whole, what do you think about it, man? What, what are your thoughts? There was a lot of stories. There was a lot of uh, of drama, a lot of tiny little things that happened. Um, there were certain things that I think should have happened this year that could have made this year even better that we didn't get. Not, I don't think I followed the UFC necessarily, but uh, you know that's just how life goes, and the way certain fights happen and certain events went, you know, kind of prevented other things. But that's just a fight game, you know. Um, uh, in in the end, I'd say it was a good year. Still, I, I don't think it was a bad year. I don't think, I don't think the it's possible for the UFC to have a really bad year unless like their main event falls out every time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, dude, I've sat through some shitty years for the UFC. Um, so, I mean, I feel like people that say, like, oh, yeah, fucking, this year is terrible. Like, come on, man. Like, come on. Like, 2017 was pretty bad outside of UFC 217, which I think was the GSB card. Um, 
if I remember correctly, 2013 was kind of ass, too. Like, there's been a good... There's been some really bad years, man. This year is not one of them. It's just there's no over-the-top, like... The Stars, I guess, is how I'd put it. The Stars had a bad year. Yeah. Like, if you look at the top draws in the UFC, some of them didn't fight. Whenever they did fight, they lost. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of how I think of it. Now, in terms of... We're going we're gonna to start off hot, man. We're, we're, we're kicking it off straight up at the top. Fighter of the year. Male fighter of the year. Let me go ahead and specify that, because we will go ahead and talk about female fighter of the year as well. But, look, dude, whole lot of whole lot of good picks in here, man. I mean, if you look at... I mentioned the stars losing, and there were many stars that had a really bad year. I mean, Conor Rear never fought. Um, I guess I guess Nate Diaz did technically leave the UC on a win, but, like, Israel Asanya lost, Kamar Usman lost, a whole lot of stars lost. So there's not a whole lot of easy gimme picks like there would be in the past. For 2022, though, Angel, who is your male fighter of the year? This is... It's so hard, Josh. I almost find it almost impossible to make a pick. I think this is one of the hardest years we've had to make a pick. I feel like in other years we've been, we've, there's actually been options in other years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where it's like, oh, I, I don't know. I think there's an argument here or this and that, right? We had the the Kevin Holland year, right? It was like, oh, Kevin Holland, uh, had this many, you know, this many fights in a year, and I forgot who else we talked about that year, but you know, whatever, right? Uh, this year was one of the harder ones because, like you said, some of the stars. Didn't fight. There's there's a lot of people who did fight a lot as far as champs. I, I, I'm going to pick Alexander Volkanovsky's fighter of the year, and I, I'm going to get into this a little bit, Josh. Yeah, go ahead. I think he had two um, shutout performances as a champion. I don't think any other champ defended their title or performed the way they he did. And he had one of the most impressive title defenses against Max Holloway I've ever seen out of a champion against a, a former champ in the fashion he did it. I mean, it was almost a... I think uh, the the other thing you can compare it to is actually at that same weight class. It was Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo, mm. in 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 their match. Uh, in a way, obviously not to the not to the same extent, right? I think I, I don't want to compare it. I think Volks was a uh, more impressive for a, for a number of different reasons. Obviously, I, I think uh, a lot of us love Max. So obviously, that plays a factor. And also the way he ended off his year. Was setting up when with us setting himself up for a bout at 155 for the title. I don't think it was just his performances, but also the way he, what his performances are getting him to, and what he's leading us into in the next year. Because mm-hmm. I think that's he's making himself. I think that's what made him fight of the year for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the fun. The thing, the interesting part about that is that there's a very good possibility that you could. Uh... You could you could run it up, man. Especially next year, depending on what happens, you can go ahead and fight the year two years in a row. Look, that's not a bad pick, man. I mean, he obviously he didn't fight too many times; he fought twice. And um, but in those in those wins, he made absolute statements. I mean, going out there and yes, Korean Zombie's older. Yes, he fought with an injury, but dude, we've never seen. I mean, maybe Jose Aldo. That even then, I'd argue that the Vulcan was even more dominant because Jose Aldo versus Korean Zombie was a beatdown. Korean Zombie versus Alexander Volkanovsky looked like they shouldn't even been in the same ring together. Like it was, it was hard to watch, dude. Like that's, and that's how you know it's a sign of a of a great uh, champion to make his contemporaries look like they don't even belong in the same octagon with him. Um, for me, I, I really kind of went back and forth on male fighter of the year. Um, I, I thought about um, Volkanovsky, like you said, 
I thought about Islam Makachev, but at the same time, I felt like for a while, like, Islam Makachev's been inevitable. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. Um, I don't have to like it, because I, there's not a whole lot that's interesting about the guy, but he's, he, he's always felt, like, inevitable in terms of his rise and the fact that he trained with Habib, and I, I admittedly dislike his super artificial run to the top, um, which was just like, you know, oh, congratulations, you beat nobody that's ranked, but here's a title shot, you know what I mean? But And uh, Volkanovski, another big pick. I'm going to go for Alex Pahaya, um, Poetan. 35 years old. A lot of my biggest thing is um, I did not expect this. I expected Alex Bahia to actually fight for the title. I said this is we talked about this as soon as he got signed. I'm like, yep, it's it, it's done. It's done. Ski. He's gonna fight for the belt, beat three guys, and then fight Israel Adesanya. I did not expect him to get there in the fashion that he did. He went out there and he beat the shit out of Bruno Silva, and I like Bruno a lot. He went out there and knocked the fuck out of Sean Strickland. Which I did not expect. And then he went out there and knocked the fuck out of Israel Adesanya, which I really didn't expect. And for a guy to come into MMA, and this is, this is the thing that he wants to tell people, like, guys, Israel Adesanya is 33 now. He has been fighting in MMA at least, like, like he's been fighting in MMA for over a decade, but he's been fighting at least consistently, straight up done with kickboxing for five years now. So in your late 20s. Dude, Alex Bahia picked up MMA at 34. That is an incredibly, incredibly difficult thing to do. I understand he had, he had like, two fights, three fights prior to that, but I'm talking about, like, full-time picking up MMA training whenever you're in your mid-30s. That's near impossible to do anything of substance. Not only do you do things of substance, he's the UFC middleweight champion. So, for me, I gotta take Alex Poetan Bahia. Now, for a female fighter of the year, um, there's, it's, it's, uh, definitely... How can I put this? There's less options. It's more clear. There's one or two fighters. For male fighter of the year, shit, you can you can name like like we just talked about it. Three, four, five options. Female fighter of the year, there's only really two big big names, two big options. Maybe if you want to be, I mean, I saw the MMA awards gave Valentina Shevchenko fighter of the year, which was horrific. But outside of that, I mean, <laughs> Angel, who's your female fighter of the year, man? My female fighter of the year was. Larissa Pacheco. There we go. I mean, Josh, there was no other female fighter this year that had the kind of year she did. And obviously, in the league that she fights, in the format that it, that it goes, obviously she was able to have a lot of fights. And, but at the top of that, she had to perform in all those fights. So, you know, you can't discredit her because of the way she has to fight in her promotion. And she ended... I think all her fights in the first round, if not in the first two rounds, all with a finish. She later ends the year in a championship bout with Kayla Harrison, who was undefeated, had beat her twice. It didn't seem like she was in a fight uh, beat her again this time. It was going to be 3-0 and in the series. She comes out here. She beats all odds. Even We even picked against her. But we said we wouldn't be surprised if she won, but we still – decided to make the choice against her because we believed, look, she has a chance, but it's unlikely to happen. And she mm-hmm. went out and, she, you know, she made us eat our words to an extent, not fully, because obviously we weren't against her fully. Uh, we did pick against her. And she goes out and gets the W and cements herself, in my opinion, undisputedly as female fighter of the year. Uh, she is the definition, I think, of what a fighter of the year should be. In a way, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm in full agreement with you. I'm not going to, you know, dick around. I'm also going to take Louis Pacheco. I think she's my uh, clear fight of the year, man. I mean, if you look at the other contenders, I mean, Kayla Erickson was in the running. She obviously lost to Louis Pacheco. Uh, Wei Li Zhang is really the only other fighter I think you can make a really a really good case for. I mean, if you look at her, it should be Joanna Yunjacek. It should be Carla Esparza. Um, granted, I think most people kind of she was favored to win both those fights. Joanna hadn't fought in two and a half years, and Carla just came off the worst UFC title fight in history, and arguably one of the worst fights ever. Granted, I mean she still won it, but I mean nothing was shocking there. I mean I don't know who else you can give it to honestly. For me, Larissa Pacheco is a clear winner here. I mean if you look at her record. But we can just run it down, dude. I mean, four fights, three of those being first-round knockout wins, all within the span of two minutes and 40 seconds, and then dethroning Kayla Harrison and being the first ever to upset her as in, as a massive underdog. And, dude, like like you went and put it, we both like Loris Pachenko a lot. I feel like we're both kind of, uh, prior to that fight, we were in agreement that, like, hey, she does stand a good chance of winning. But even us as, like, her biggest fans were like, well... Nah, probably not though. Like she, she's still probably able to pull it off. But dude, she, she's a knockout artist. But in that fight with Kayla Harrison, she showed wrinkles to her game, and she showed clear, clear improvement. So I mean, just you got to give it up for her, dude. I mean, to go 28 years old, to get washed out of the UFC, to come to the PFL and have your season ended by Kayla Harrison, what twice in a row? Um, just super incredible for her to turn around. In this 2022 season where nobody expected it. Everybody just treated it like it was a mere formality that Larissa Pachenko was going to lose and that Kayla Harrison was going to win the tournament for the third straight year. She comes out there, pulls off the upset, and along the way she knocked the fuck out of some really good girls. So you got to give it up to Larissa Pachenko. I mean, we're in agreement. So fight of the year uh, for the women. Um, boxer of the year is the next up. I feel like boxer of the year, bit of a bit of a weird one because I feel like there's no – there's no super clear one. I feel like in, because of boxing in general, the way that it functions, there's going to be no clear uh, winner any year, unless it's like a year where Canelo goes ham and fights like three or four times. That did not happen here. Uh, so who's your boxer of the year, man? If there's a lot of good picks, a lot of good options. There's a, there's a lot of options. You know, let's let's make a clear. Like you said, there wasn't anybody who who clearly stood out um, because there wasn't a lot of guys who were. Uh, extremely active, you know. Obviously, we we got to give credit to the the better beavers of the world. Uh, you know, I, th- I think Devin Haney's up there in the conversation. Uh, uh, in New Way, who just fought this past, I think it was like what is a week or two ago. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I'd, I'd say there's there's a lot of guys up for op- uh, you know, up for option. I mean, it's like take your pick. You know, I I for me personally. Uh, you know, I I have to say it's uh, it's it's a, at least for me it's a tie between uh, I'll, I'll give you my top three going down. I'd say it's probably uh, Bevo and Newey kind of you can interchange them, and I'd say Haney is my last option just because Haney had a a rematch, and you kind of expected it to go the way it did. But mm-hmm. he's so young, and he captured a title. I mean, you have to give credit where credits due. I mean, he's like twenty three years old, man. I mean, that's a that's not easy way to carry at that age and the level of pressure he had and especially doing it in not his home soil. I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of good options. Um, admittedly, I was going to give this to Dimitri people. I was going to, 
But the last second, I'm changing my mind. Um, just because, like, and it, it, it kind of goes against what I dislike, because one of my big things that I like in a fighter of the year, or at least a boxer of the year, or however, like, whatever award I'm giving out, I like them to be active. This guy was not active, and he was through no choice of his own. I'm giving it to Alexander Usyk. To come to, to like the, the mental fortitude that you have to have to come out of this is what I keep on telling people. Like, dude, yes, like was Alexander Usyk on the fucking front lines himself? Not really, no. But dude, you guys gotta remember he was in the UK when the war started. He was in the UK. He had a could he could have just stayed there. Said he flies home and lists in the military. Not only does he enlist, he lists in the Kiev uh, territorial defenses. You guys, if you guys don't know, Kiev was the capital that was under siege for like three straight months at the start of the Ukraine-Russia war. And Usyk was right in the middle of that shit. And I understand that he, he's downplayed it a lot, but if you listen, I've, I've read some interviews from like his wife who's talked about it. The guy went through hell, essentially. I, I read that he lost like upwards of 30 pounds during the war, and he went through a lot of shit, dude. He was only enlisted for like three months, I think. But for him to come off the the, the battlefield, essentially, uh, and to step in and fight Anthony Josh, who's been doing nothing but training for a year, just thinking about one focus while Alexander Usyk was focused on staying alive and to beat that guy, that is insane. And for that, I have to give Alexander Usyk my boxer of the year. I'm admittedly biased because I love the guy a lot. I like him a lot. Probably one of my favorite boxers at the moment. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think his story is incredible. I literally – Guarantee you there's going to be a movie made about it somewhere down the line. And, uh, you know, Lomachenko, got to give a shout out to him too. He also enlisted. Granted, it was different because I remember correctly, he, like, he, was, he was in the territorial defenses out near the border. Um, and he was really helping with like actual battle. He was just helping with, uh, like getting people like out of Ukraine. So it's a little bit different. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of it is where they were, yeah. you, I mean, anything could have happened. You know? Exactly, and that's part of the reason why. I mean, not, and I'm not trying to like downplay. I didn't do that shit. I'm just saying, like, the circumstances were different between Loma. And have you been to war, Josh? Have you? How many tours have you done, Josh? Oh, uh, fucking! I played Call of Duty yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, um, I mean, yeah, but yeah, that's that's. I gotta give it to Usyk, dude. I mean, that's that's you never. That's some like World War Two type shit. A guy coming out of the military to go defend his title and then to go back home. And I don't think he's enlisted anymore, but um, I do know that he, he was still, uh, just recently, he went out there with some Ukraine soldiers, and I don't know if he was doing training or whatever, but yeah, man, I mean, that's insane to think about. So I got to give it to you, sir. Um, next up, event of the year. This one's interesting, because event of the year, you know, last year, you, you could take your pick, because you had a lot of, lot of active boxers. Connor fought. Nate fought shit. Even Nick Diaz fought. You know what I mean? So there was a, there was a clear pick this year. I don't think it's as clear. I think there's a lot of good options though. A whole lot of good options for fun cards. So Angel, I'll pass it off to you. MMA or boxing? What is your events of the year? Man, it, it, it's it's almost impossible to pick one because there's always so many good ones, Josh. You, you can give you you can pick one, but you can also give a couple of shoutouts as well. Uh, you know, do you want me to tell you what I think event event of the year will be? I think it's one that hasn't even happened yet, John. You think I, it's going to be Bellator I, X Rising? I think it's going to be Bellator X Rising, an event that hasn't even happened yet. I think. It, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what you were about to say, but I just—I have a weird feeling, man. It's going to be the insane, the the uh, 
what, what, what are the words I'm looking for? But the production value is going to be very high. I think as far as event of the year, other big ones, I think obviously, uh, Canelo B-Ball was a big event, right? Cause of the level of the match. Um, mm-hmm. Fury's last match that he had this year against his, his homie, which, you know, that we also had that win. We kind of knew the direction, but it was outside. It was cool. It was cold. There was a little, I think it was like the third or fourth coldest match I've ever had event outside ever. I mean, there was a little, there was a little history to it. Uh, obviously Jake Anderson was wild. Um, and for UFC, man, uh, and, and if I have to pick MMA one, mm-hmm. I think I have to pick, would it be UFC 270, Josh, with Nganu and Gone? Correct. Josh, uh, the storyline going, obviously, you could say whatever you want about the fight itself, kind of the fights on that card. I mean, I think there was still some pretty good fights on the card. I can't remember off the top of my head. But the fact that Francis Ngannou is at odds with the UFC, the cinema cease and desist order to, does not be negotiating for boxing because I guess someone had reached out to him. Mm-hmm. And this is and this is all the night, the morning of, or the night before his match is 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 defending a heavyweight title match against Cyril Gaon, who's his former training partner. And there's this little drama, not this little drama, but this drama going between them, and they're at odds, and they're they're there's just all this these factors. And then we find out he's injured in the match, and then the and then the way he wins isn't knocking out or because he hurts him on the feet. It's him wrestling and and him coming full circle. It was such a crazy story and, and kind of all the narrative and everything that built up. I think that that's what made that event so special to me. It wasn't the fight itself or the fights themselves, but if not everything around the event and, and the story that surrounded that man on that night and the odds that were stacked against him. It, was, it wasn't it was just Francis Ngannou versus Surigan. It was Francis Ngannou versus the UFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, complete agreement. That's actually a very good pick. I didn't even think about that one. I mean, the storyline – Heading into that one is basically, it was, uh, it's a pro wrestling storyline. Let's go and put it like that. We've basically never seen that happen in the UFC. Like a guy we know going into a fight where it's like, all right, he's going to win this and he's going to be gone, you know? Um, we never see that. And I, you know what's kind of surprising? It's somewhat off topic, but because we're recapping here. I'm very surprised that there's been no movement since then. There's been nothing. About Ngannou, and apparently I've, <clears throat> I've read some reports that like he might be a free agent as of now. Like based off of how the contracts were, he might actually be a free agent already as of last week. Um, it's it's crazy to think about the fact that we've not seen or heard anything since then. But yeah, dude, that's a good call. I didn't even think about UFC 70. I'm actually going to go UFC London though in March. Um, that card, it, for me, it almost it almost felt like. I can't explain it, man. It was, it was the British crowds are always better than the U.S. ones. That's just a given. But uh, UFC London in March, that was their first card. They were in uh, the U.K. in three years. March 2019 was the last time. That was Tilbert and Masvidal. And dude, they came out with just an incredible fucking card. That was Aspinall, Volkov, Alan Hooker, Patty Pimblett making uh, the return to the U.K. Gunnar Nelson fought for the first time in a long time. Molly McCann knocked out Ilya Taporia. Sergey Pavlovich. Makwan Amirakani. I mean, there was just so many good performances, and that crowd was rocking all night long, dude. I mean, they returned uh, later in the year. I want to say in July, if I remember correctly. And it just wasn't the same um, for a variety of reasons. But, yeah, I mean, just UFC London in March, that's my pick. 
Uh, there, there are some other good ones. I, I like that you shouted out uh, Canelo and Bivol. That was a lot of fun. UFC 274, which is kind of weird to people that uh, I put that one up there because it had Nama Yunus and uh, Esparza too. But you guys got to remember, outside of that, that card was a straight-up banger. I mean, you had <laughs> – you had uh, Chandler Ferguson on there. You had, obviously, uh, Gaethje Oliveira, and especially the drama surrounding that one, considering, you know, he missed weight and uh, all that hectic stuff was going on. Like, I was having to work on vacation because there was so much shit going on. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of good calls, man, but I'm going to go UFC London. And, uh, Andrew, I'm, I believe we watched that one together at my house, but that one was so much fun, man, so much fun. Um, no title fights on it, not a pay-per-view or anything, but just the environment and the matches that were on there, like the, the overall just the incredible, incredible fights and a whole lot of finishes. So, yeah, man, USC London is my pick. So, but uh, we do got a couple more things. Now, this is the one I'm actually most looking forward to because I uh, this is probably my favorite. Like, like I said, the award show is my favorite thing to do, but I specifically like talking about it because we can kind of reflect on fights over the year. And it's gonna, we're gonna give our top three fights of the year. I really hate how people only do one, cause I think there's so much good MMA on a yearly basis where you have to give shine to a couple of others. So we're gonna do our top three fights. Angel, we're gonna, I think the best way to do this is probably to alternate. Like you, like you say a pick and then I say one. I agree. And then we right. can kind of discuss it, kind of get yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. You go ahead first. Oh man. Um, oh man, I just had it in my head too. Let me think. I, I, I'm so pressured now because I just had it. All right, do you want me to go then? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll go. This is a recent one. This is a recent one. UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean O'Malley. Look, dude, I know that a lot of people cried robbery and got, oh, man, you should like, okay, take that out of it. You're seeing this young, hyped-up prospect step up to the top level for the first time, and it's a back-and-forth war for 15 minutes. Even if you disagree with the decision, take it out of it. And granted, I was watching it with the boys, so I'm obviously biased, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but it was just such a it was such a good fight, man, such a good moment. And it's going to be one of those moments where it's like you kind of, for a guy like Sean O'Malley, this is the, that was his moment, dude. That's the trademark moment that like, showed, like, this kid's the real fucking deal. And you don't get that too often in MMA. Like, you see a lot of guys step up to the top level, and they just crumble. Or they'll step back up later on, and they'll get the big win. Sean O'Malley came in as a three-and-a-half-to-one underdog, fighting in Abu Dhabi. He goes out there, and he puts on a fucking show, and he gets the win. And one of the most entertaining fights I've seen in a long time. So, I got to give it to them. Which one of Now, I should also say, I'm not ranking this in a hierarchy. I'm just saying, like... Three fights that I enjoy the most in 2022, and Pierre Yon Sean O'Malley is one of those. So, uh, you in agreement, Angel, or like, what, what do you want to? No, I mean it was it was a great fight. I, I don't disagree at all. Not gonna lie, Josh. I thought you were I thought we were giving our three predictions. I didn't know we were doing our fights. Oh, okay, yeah, that's, three top three that's, fights. And then that's how you we'll, threw me we'll off. Out, we'll close it out with the predictions. No, no, no. That's how you threw me off. I was like, oh, holy okay. shit, what the fuck? I thought we were doing, <laughs> you know, no, but you're okay. No, I mean that that that's a great shout. Um, you know, let's just get this one done and out of the way, Josh. We have to put it out there. It's obviously everybody else's. Gilbert Teixeira, Yuri Pajaka. I mean, it was a banger of a fight, man. I mean, the way it ends, um, kind of all the exchanges on the ground, the the the, the stand up, the mistakes, everything. It made for a fun fight, and it was it was looking to set up for a great second fight. Sadly, we didn't end up getting it. Uh, you know, uh, earlier this month. But you know, that's how life goes, and it was a fun card. Um, 
Honestly, that was another that was another card we could have honestly put up there, Josh, for event of the year. Yeah. Uh, with without getting into it, obviously, you you kind of look back at that card and it, it maybe wasn't the most name stacked, but we had Valentina have that you know tight fight with Talia Santos that you know could have argued. Obviously, you talked about the way Lee finish, Jake Matthews and Andre Fiala, who Andre Fiala was kind of the guy who rose up this year. You know, he's kind of the rookie of the year to to say right, New UFC newcomer of the year, I'd say in a way. Uh, obviously, we saw. Uh, Brendan Allen kind of re- continues growth on that card too, uh, you know, without getting you know too much deeper into it, but you know, kind of to give it its own shout. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fight speaks for itself, and like you said, and then we didn't, we don't want to talk about it a lot because uh, me and Josh were talking a little bit in the green room about the fact that this would probably be a lot of people's fight of the year, and it was for me for the longest time. I was like, Josh, I, there's nothing else that comes close to it for me, and it, and I, I told Josh for me, I, I didn't. I wasn't fully satisfied. I mean, there was a lot of great fights. And obviously, there's, there's, there could be a fight I'm forgetting or a fight I missed, but there's not one I could think out of my head that I was like, man, that's uh, Wei Li, Joanna, that's Michael Chandler, Eddie Alvarez, you know. That's a Mark Hunt Bigfoot, you know. At least that's how I felt. I mean, there is, there is some that I can think of. There's some hipster picks. But I also like uh, – and it's going to sound uh, – it might take away a little bit from – this award from some people for uh, the way I'm going to try it, but sometimes I like uh, stuff being put on the line, like the belt and the fights mm-hmm. being at that level. So I think that's why Yuri and Glover is so up there for me. But you know, obviously, we're talking about fight of the year. That that doesn't have to be a factor. We're talking about the best fight. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when the when when there's stakes on the line and there, there's stuff put up, you know, there, you know, it adds a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean. That's a good. That's a good pick. And uh, admittedly, I left it off my top three. It probably would have been number four, just because I feel like I knew you were gonna. I, we were gonna talk about that one regardless, and I wanted to give some shine to some other fights as well. But yeah, it's a good pick. You can't go wrong with that one. I mean, it's literally one of the greatest. Not only one of the greatest fights, but it might be the greatest light heavyweight fight ever. And that's a division that was bonkers for the longest time. It's bonkers now. I'm not sure why, but that's always been the chaotic division. So for that to be the greatest fight, arguably in that division's history, I mean, they can give it. I mean, maybe. Henderson Shogun, you know, maybe Gus Jones, but, you know, it's up there. So that's a good pick. Um, so for my next one, man, I'm going to go over to the PFL. And I'm going to pick Clay Collard versus Jeremy Stevens. Here, here's a fun thing for you. This is a fun assignment for anybody listening to this. It's not not really follow the PFL. I don't blame you because we really don't even talk about the PFL that much. Fights on YouTube. It's on it's PFL 1 in April. These two dudes went out there and beat the dog shit out of each other for 15 minutes. Just straight, and I knew from the second this fight, that fight was announced, I'm like, God damn, they're gonna kill each other. That's exactly what they did, dude. I mean, Jeremy Stevens clicked off 15 minutes of chaos. Um, clear win for our boy, uh, Cassius Clay Collard. Huge win for him. But overall, dude, super entertaining. It's gonna be my one, like, just to spoil it a little bit. It's my only fight that I have that's non-UFC uh, on top three fights of the year. Um, and it's well-deserved, dude. It's a hell of a fight. Very exciting. And like I said, it's on YouTube. So if you guys are not seeing it, just go watch it. It's canned right now. So, yeah, that's my pick. Angel, what's up next for you? Oh, man. Um, I'm kind of debating which one I want to say next. Um, just kind of the, the order I want to go. But I'm going to go with one that uh, stuck with me all year. The one that I mentioned, one that was very early on. Uh, kind of a forgotten one. I don't think anybody will necessarily think of this one or think of these fighters' names when I when I say, especially since I think both these guys lost not too long afterwards too. Uh, actually, no one one actually one one. I forgot 
Sergey Morozov won. But Josh, with me saying that name, it's mm-hmm. definitely Silva Diandra versus Sergey Morozov. Yep. Banger of a fucking fight, Josh. I mean, if if you have the opportunity, Josh, and, and you're, you've forgotten this fight a little bit, please oh, go no. back and watch it. It ended in the second round, uh, some somewhat late after the halfway point of the second round, I believe. Uh, Douglas is still on the draw down in the first round, comes back, rallies back, and wins in the second. Gets a submission finish, obviously tunes him up on the feet. It was a sick fight. If you have not seen it, please, whatever you're doing, dr- drop your baby on the ground safely. Leave the gym, exit the wedding, exit the funeral, and get out your phone and watch this fight. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a very good call. That fight was an absolute banger, dude. I mean, Douglas Hill to Andrade is always a guy that's pretty entertaining, but, um, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. That's a very good pick. Um, yeah, this is going to be my last one, man. This is one I never would have expected to be on here. I thought going into this fight, it was a demolition job. <laughs> uh, Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold, UFC 278. Um, the undercard of Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards too. Look, dude, this fight going into I think a lot of my uh, the reason why I picked this fight is because it's it's a multi layered reason. You have this guy in Luke Rockwell, the grizzled veteran at this point in his career. You don't think about it, but he he'd been out of action for over three years, fighting back in middleweight for the first time in four years. He had been a guy who'd been hated by so many for so long. I don't even think they know why they hate him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's always been a guy who's been shit on for whatever reason. Um. And I get it. He has a bit of a abrasive personality, but he, he came into this fight huge underdog. He, he said, like, he picked out Paulo Costa. You know who calls out Paulo Costa? Fucking no one. <laughs> He's a terrible matchup for virtually anybody outside of a, a super, super slick striker like Israel Adesanya. Nobody wants to fight Paulo Costa outside of guys like that. And Luke Rockhold's not that guy. He's not. In fact, he's the opposite. He's a guy that's been knocked out multiple times heading into the fight. Super disrespected, super big underdog. He loses, but god damn it, it was back and forth for 15 minutes. He had his moments, he dropped them multiple times. He, they both got bloody, they both got battered. And Luke Rockwell having his big moment where he's like, you know what, man? I can leave off of this. And it's a, it's a moment that so many MMA fighters chase and they crave. And even though he lost, it felt like a moral victory. You know what I mean? And for him to have that moment, for him to finally get the roar and the applause from the crowd that he's badly deserved for a long time, that's why it's one of my favorite fights of the year. It's one that I've rewatched multiple times. So, Andrew, what, do you, what was uh, what, what's your last one? This is my kind of hipster pick, Josh. I think, in a way, um, it may or may not be. I want to say it is. Um, uh, and for me. Josh, it has to be Armand Sirkin versus Mateus Gamera. This fight showed what a grappling heavy match can be entertaining. Mm-hmm. This is this was the equivalent of a, in my opinion, a way a war on the feet, but a war on the ground in a way. It was super active. I mean, on the ground, the scrambles, the wrestling, the takedown attempts, obviously the, the, some of the exchanges in the stand up. I think people should go back and rewatch this fight. Obviously, there's uh, some people feel some type of way about it because Gamron ended up winning and they thought Sirikin should have won. But this genuinely is one of the best fights of the year, and it's one of the better, one of the best showcases of MMA, I think, uh, in general that you could show someone where 
fighting on the ground isn't boring. It can be entertaining. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great pick, dude. That fight was a lot of fun, very back and forth. Um, admittedly, I did not put it on the list because I was salty about the decision, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it was it was still a great fight though. It was still a very fun fight, and it's one of the rare times that the UFC had two guys that were not stars, and they were like, "Yeah, fuck it, why not? We'll go out there and uh, you know, we'll go out there and go ahead and give them five rounds. They're not stars, neither one of these guys are, but it was just a random June Apex card, and they went out there and put on a show for five rounds. So that's a very good call, dude. Very good call by you. Um, overall, this is an excellent year for MMA excellent excellent year there's no there's multiple other fights i'm surprised you know there were so many other good ones we didn't acknowledge chandler poirier um chandler ferguson was fun for how long it lasted hamzat versus burns you know um spark Isle, spike carlisle versus aj mckee that's another one you know there were bangers all over this year however this is the last part of it now we've done that's all the awards folks however we did this last year we're going to do it again Three predictions for next year, for 2023. It's very hard to predict MMA a year out, or boxing, or this is just combat sports in general, I guess. So very, very hard to predict stuff a year out, but we're going to give it our best shot. Angel, you want to go ahead with the first pick? Or for, I guess not pick, prediction. First first prediction. Oh, yeah. Josh, I think, is this going to sound crazy to an extent, I think four belts change. Four throughout the UFC. Yes. So, like, are you counting only men or, or men and women? Oh, God, that's, um, I don't know how many. I'll, I'll count both. I'll count both. All right. I can four, I can see that. Four is still a fair bit, you know what I mean? Let me, you know what, I'm actually going to pull up, pull it up right now because that sounds like a fair bit, but, I mean, if you look at who are, let me pull up the rankings real quickly. So obviously Figueroa, the champion at flyweight, Aljamain, Bantam, Volkanovski, Feather, Makhachev, lightweight, Edwards, welterweight, Paheya, middleweight, light heavyweight, no champ, heavyweight, and Gano. You know what? I can see that happening. I can actually see that happening. In fact, I'm actually <laughs> Angel. My prediction is five. No, I'm just. <laughs> I was gonna be like, what? A, that's ballsy. Well, I have I have another kind of crazy prediction out there too. Go well, fuck. You know what? Just go ahead. I think the belt changes three times at light heavyweight. You know what? I actually can see that happening. Because <laughs> we'll because we'll have a new champ. That's one. That champ will defend. I think they lose it, and I think they lose it, and then it gets lost again. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you've already done two. What's your last one? I think Patty Pimblett officially takes a loss on his record. Damn. That's kind of a kind of a lukewarm. <laughs> kind of a lukewarm prediction, but I see it. Yeah. Um But but an official one, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like with the way he's kind of been going, the hype train, you know, he could prove me wrong. He could go next year and, you know, beat a guy just outside of the top fifteen and beat a ranked guy. So What's interesting about that is my well, my prediction also involves Patty Pimblin, but it does not involve wins or losses. It, it it is I think he will become an even bigger star for the UFC and he will main event his first show next year. I don't know if it'll be a fight night or a pay per view, 
but I think he's on the verge of superstardom, and I really don't think – I think, like, if you go out there and he goes out there and fights once and he beats some guy, it's off to the races. You know what I mean? I don't think it really matters because I feel like most people are kind of pissed off. Most hardcore MMA fans, you got to think about the casuals out there, dude. They don't know shit. Like, they, they just know this guy's an Conor McGregor. And shit, maybe it'll be a Conor McGregor versus Patty Pimblett. I've been sounding the alarm bell on that idea for, for a while now. I think it's – I still think they should make it. I think – Full disclosure. Probably going to at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure. I think that's the fight to make, and right now it's the perfect time to make it because Patty needs a win in the top 50. Well, I guess Connor just got out of the rankings, but it doesn't really matter because it's Connor, you know what I mean? Um, he, Patty needs a win. He needs a a decisive win to become a superstar, and Connor needs a decisive win to get back in the hunt for the title. So I think that's a fight to make. My prediction is I think that Patty becomes an even bigger star. I think that um, people, they're doing wishful thinking right now when they're like, oh, yeah, he should have lost in Jared Gordon. I'm like, dude, casuals don't care. Like, <laughs> if you're a star, you're a star, and I feel like the UC is going to keep on pumping him up. And uh, I think that they're probably they saw that Jared Gordon was a bit too much, and I think they're going to go out there and give him a big name, but a uh, a low risk next. I don't know who it will be, but I think he's going to become an even bigger star. Because you, when UC wants to make someone – they're gonna make him. You know what I mean? Um, next up, this is this is kind of a bold one because I feel like most people are so far in the other direction they don't even see that's gonna happen. I think Nate Diaz is gonna uh, Nate Diaz is gonna re-sign to the UFC. I don't think he'll box. Now, why? I don't know. I just got a weird feeling. <laughs> and I I've always been a vibes guy on this show. I've said that like a lot of my picks I do just strictly off vibes. You know. Um, I uh, I got a weird feeling that Nate's going to be back in the UFC. He could box, he, but I think by the end of 2023, he's under contract with the UFC once again. And that could be to fight McGregor. That could be just to have you know some more big fights and to close out his career. But I think that Nate Diaz, by the end of 2023, will be back under UFC contract. Um, I think most people expect him to fight Jake Paul, but I think Jake Paul is going to be busy. Because I think by the end of 2023, Jake Paul will have taken his first loss in the sport of boxing. And he will no longer be as big of a deal. Because he's kind of hitting that point where a lot of people, his pay-per-view numbers are slipping. He's kind of losing a bit of grasp. And I understand there are certain fights that he can make that will get people. But I think most people just want to see him fight somebody that they fight someone that he can reasonably lose to. Now, for us as the hardcores, we know there's a very good shot of him losing to Anderson. Most people don't really care because they're just like, oh, it's another, it's another old UFC guy. You know what I mean? I don't know who he will fight next. I don't know if it will be Nate or if it will be this guy or that guy. I do think he takes his first loss in boxing next year, though. So that's kind of kind of how I view it. Angel, what, what, what do you do? You, do you think any of those are reasonable? Uh, I think they're all within reason. I mean, I don't think any of them are unreasonable. At the end of the day, right? Their predictions, right? Because you know, we're we're it's all based off just thought, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I had another one that I that was in the back of my mind. It was it was you know I I always have to root for this. I think Mohammed Makayev will be ranked in the top five next year, Josh. By the end. Oh, of the that's year. easy. I think he will be. He he should be right if he isn't ranked in a crazy world. He fights for a title. I I don't think they'll push him. You know, knowing how the division is and the direction they're going, but I think he'll probably be top five by next year. You know what, dude? I'm actually gonna. This is actually like fucked that I'm actually scratching one of my. I'm uh, gonna, um, you know what? I, it's not, I'm not going to scratch any of my things. I think that could all reasonably happen, but I think Aaron Blanchfield is going to be champion in 2023, Angel. What? I think so. Yeah, I think so, Aaron. But I think it's time because I'm not sure if you saw the news section, but she's in a number one contender fight already. 
And I think that by the time she gets through that, yeah. That's what I think. I mean, hey, dude, I have been in on this girl since day fucking one. I, I almost wish I almost wish the build up well look and we don't know yet but I yeah, wish the yeah, build up yeah. was more was more slow. Well, I mean it's it, it it seems fast, but it's it's really not that fast. I mean if you look at um I know but she's going from ten to two. I almost wish it was like ten to five and then to two mm. or ten to seven and then four and then one and then. then the but chance. she's four fights in and if you look at her people, she beat Sarah Alpar, who's not even using anymore. She beat. Beat the dog shit out of a random Maverick, who's really good in her own right. She beat up JJ Aldridge, who's like a solid top 15 gatekeeper, and she beat the dog shit out of Molly McCann. For me, it's more about styles. I'm not saying that uh, Aaron Blanche feels like a finished product, but if you look at the the women's 125 pound division, that division is a division made up of people that lack an identity. You know what I mean? Same. Like, they're all they're all they're all decent in every single aspect, but there's no specialist. There's no area like there's Certain people, like, Talia Santos is better on the mat, and she's on the feet, you know what I mean? Like, KGB Lee, she's a, nut, she's a good striker, but, she's not, you know, you have that for everybody. Aaron Blanchfield is so, I think, head and shoulders above the rest of the division when it comes to grappling, you know what I mean? I think that she's that fucking good. And I think on the feet, she's pretty good, too. I don't think she, she's, like, she's not, you know, Valentina Shevchenko or anything, but she's still very, she's very good. She has very good kicks. She's good at finding the distance and finding the range where she can't work. So I think, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an extra prediction. So I don't know, I mean, you know, what is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, that's how I, that's how I view it. But, yeah, man, I mean, that's all, that's all of them. That's all of them. Any other closing thoughts on 2023 before you uh, move on to some news, man? No, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to get into this news section, man. I realized we forgot one, Angel. We have one more to go over. Oh, man. What did we we're, forget? We're, we're dumbasses. Upset of the year. Oh, man, take your pickums, right? Exactly. I mean, who do you got? But now, granted, I called a couple of these upsets. For me, it's, uh, you know, I can't really, you know. <laughs> no, but for real, uh, who do you got for upsets of the year? Oh, man, like I said, take your pickums. I think just because this person had such a great story leading into this fight, I'm going to go Larissa Pacheco, man. I, the betting odds are against her. Not a lot of people, people picked her. She will be forever underappreciated, and she ended up getting to duck. Mm-hmm. It's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, I'm going to take one super recent. It's probably why I'm picking it. It's very fresh in my mind. Uh, Pat Downey. Pat Downey, if you guys don't know, he was kind of, I don't want to say he was their Bo Nickel, but he's a, a super hyped up wrestler, had a lot of momentum with him, signed to Bellator early this year. Dominated the first guy I faced. He took on Christian Eccles. And we just talked about this, I think, uh, this would have actually been a week or two ago. Was a minus 2,000. <laughs> he got knocked the fuck out in round one with one of the most beautiful uppercuts you will ever see. Uh, so yeah, that's my pick for upset of the year. I mean, I'm admittedly, like, most people, this is a shocking year for a lot of people, but like, you and me, we're pretty hardcore on this shit. So we know what we talk, know what we're talking about. Like we knew that Pachinko had a very good chance of beating Kayla Harrison. I picked Leon to beat Usman. And I feel like unless you're like, you know, unless you have not paid attention to the guy, you knew that he had a relatively good chance of pulling off the upset. Like as far as was a huge underdog to nominate her, she already beat her once. You know what I mean? And Rose is kind of prone to being inconsistent on certain nights. So yeah, I mean, I feel like even the biggest upsets of the year, there's like a very good, you know, there was an avenue there. 
Um, so, yeah, I never in a million years would have picked Pat Downey to lose, though. So I'm going to go ahead and that's my upset of the year. But now it's time to move on to some news. Um, because we're talking about fights, man. Uh, fights in the cage, fights in the boxing ring. Fights are the fucking UCPI, apparently. Uh, <laughs> friend of the show, Mike Jackson. <laughs> you know, like, we talk about friends of the show, and it's always normally in a good light. Uh, Mike Jackson, though, you know, I'm admittedly biased. I've interviewed the guy multiple times uh, over the last few years. And, uh, you know, he's always been very nice to me. Uh, man, got into a dust-up at the UCA. Uh, I keep on almost saying Apex, UCPI, um, with Jake Shields. You know, we might have to get Mike Jackson on the podcast, Josh, to give us his side of the story. Well, now, I've already – he's already given a couple of interviews, and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I – you know, we could still reach out to him, but I was planning to reach out to him before his last fight. Uh, not oh, before his last fight, after his next – prior to his next fight, because he hasn't booked yet, but he's still got one fight on his UFC deal. Um, but, yeah, so uh, these guys got beef on Twitter, and if you follow them on Twitter, you know they're both heavily involved in politics, which, regardless, you know, I don't even want to get into it. Um, man, you're telling just, me. I mean, look, man, I'm I, I'm a political. This is something I you know I occasionally give hints on. I'm a huge political nerd. Read tons of history books and very involved in politics. I see zero reason to tweet about it. You're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a, any good discussion on fucking Twitter. Um, both of you guys heavily it, political though. Yeah, you're not gonna have a. I'll put it like this: you won't have a productive conversation. That's yeah, that's the way to put it. Both these guys very political. Uh, Jake Shields and Mike Jackson. This is a month, a couple months ago. They were going back and forth, and Mike said, "Like you know, Jake said, I'll fuck you up." Mike said, "Come on out to Houston, and we can we can run it." Jake should never showed up, and sadly. so Mike, huh? I said sadly. I know. So he never showed up, and Mike was actually working at the PI the night previously. He was working for uh, the UFC Fight Pass uh, Grappling Invitational. Uh, so the next day, I guess he went in there to get in a workout, and that's when Jake Shields and his boys rolled up. And, uh, yeah, it, it happened. Uh, Jake Shields is the first man I've ever seen to pull guard in a street fight. So, uh, first time for everything. Angel, what is your reaction to all this drama? I'm not sure how kept up on it you are, but, uh, according to Mike, basically just got jumped. Uh, look, I, I didn't even know exactly what happened because I saw, like, I saw it on Twitter and it was like, Mike Jackson. And I was really thrown off because I was like, are Mike Jackson? Like, What's going on? Jake Shields, at the, what is Jake Shields doing there? Like, I was really lost, but now with context, it all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Jake was, I don't know why the fuck Jake was there, but I do know that Mike was there because he had been working in Vegas the night before and just decided to go get a workout in. So I don't know why Jake was there. But, um. It's not some fuck shit. I mean, look, man, I, I don't have too many thoughts on this one. I know that Mike's apparently going to press charges, which, uh, you know. Hey, man. It is what it is, right? It is what I mean. I mean, look, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. I've always, and this is what I said on Twitter afterwards. Like, and I actually got a lot of hate. I even got some fighters in my DMs. Whoa! Can you, you, can, you, can, you can you tell me in private? I'll uh, type it in chat. Oh, was, uh, it, was it multiple or was it just one? It was just one. Um, oh was, wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect it. Okay, I'm not gonna. I, I cleared it up. We're, we're on good terms now. But yeah, I got some people in my DMs. I, I, now you, yeah, now you gotta get them on the podcast. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that's gonna happen. We're not a good term. We're not a great term, so we need to clear it up. But yeah, I mean, um, I made a joke afterwards because Jake posted the video of him, which by the way, which I saw everybody being. I'll explain it in a minute. But anyways, I, I, he posted the video of the whole thing. Of the whole thing by that, I mean ten seconds of him like passing, <laughs> passing into half guard. 
<laughs> in a fucking street fight. But, um, so funny. But anyways, yeah, I said, uh, you know, typically whenever I assault people, I make sure to post it on Twitter. Right. And then I got people be like, oh, my God, you're a fucking pussy, bro. You're, oh, man. Bro, why you want to, why don't you go cover fucking the WNBA, bro? I got fucking death <laughs> The WNBA. Dude, I got death threats over this. I'm like, dude, it's just, just. Oh, my God, Josh, you were so scared, weren't you? Oh, my God. I saw somebody that commented, like, you know, oh, you can tell who's who's really about this life. You know, you're saying assault. You can, you can tell who's really about this life and who isn't. I'm like, motherfucker, like, dude, you have a you have a Piotr Jan fucking <laughs> profile picture and 40 followers. You're not about the fucking fight game, my man. Like, come on. Um, but, yeah, I got a lot. I got a shit ton of people coming after me over that. I bet and you then the next day I saw Micah's pressing charges. I'm like, oh, damn, it's almost like I can. I was right that it was a stupid fucking idea to post online. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, too, because the whole crux of the situation, like, you know, not the whole crux of the situation, but, like, in a street fight, Jake just takes him down, and um, they cut cut it off, which, and then I heard Mike tell his side of the story. I'm like, oh, that makes sense why they cut it off. Like, so essentially Jake, when his boys were giving him shit, and Mike was just there with one of his uh, one of his trainers, um... And then Jake took him down, and then I guess he realized, like, he was in a street fight when Jake, he's like, wait a minute, oh shit, we're actually, we're actually doing this thing. So we fucking eye gouged Jake, and had him bleeding, and I was like, oh, is that actually, like, for real? Then you look, if you look up Jake's uh, Twitter, you can see he has a big fucking, uh, like, mark on the side of his eye. So, apparently Jake, uh, Jake got fucking eye gouged, so yeah, I mean, look, man, just such a dumb situation. An incredibly stupid situation. You know what I could compare this to, Josh? What were you going to compare it to? Uh, kind of. It's, it's not exactly the same because it was it was somewhat different. But the whole Jorge Colby thing, you know, it, yeah, it's 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 different, but there's there's some similarities, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's like I said, man. Is it is it a the civil thing to do? No. No. But it happened. It, uh, it, it these these things happen in MMA. You know? Oh, great quote, man! But um, I'll admit I was a little bit disappointed with all the people uh, supporting Jake. Not because I have like um, Josh. I'm, I mean, I'm fully. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get into yeah. a lot here. No, no, no. But, but I know I know what you're going to say. You you look at the people who follow Jake Shields. Uh, but that, I mean, even Roxanne Lana Ferry sticking up for her, man. I'm like, really? That's yeah. Gonna be a, especially since she, I would imagine she's like a super pacifist. Not I mean, like, look, dude, whenever not, like, not necessarily a pacifist, but she's a very, uh, I'm assuming she's a very civil person. Yeah. I imagine. I yeah. mean, she's like the nicest human being on earth, dude. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, did you ever end up meeting Roxy at Invicta? I know that you went the one time, but I, I never personally spoke to her. But oh. I can only imagine she's like. So she's a fucking sweetheart. I mean, I saw her multiple times. Yeah, that's what I'm never saying. Had, like, I never had like a one-on-one conversation with her. Like, they were always be like friends. Oh, okay, can we take pictures? Like, she was there cornering people all the time, and she was always super nice. And I was like, damn, man. Like, look, I'm not gonna get into Mike's Twitter stuff because he says some, he says some, you know, out of pocket shit all the time. But Jake Shields like supports like fucking Kanye, bro. Like, that's like, 
I mean, come on, man. Like, is that, I mean, is this actually facts? I mean, we're not going to dive down to rabbit hole, but if he does. I know that he did. I don't know if he still does. Uh, he might have backed out now. He might not be on the Kanye stock anymore. He's treating, I mean, look, man, he's tweeting some out of pocket You know, Josh, I, th- I think everybody can blame me for this because after I tweeted yeah. out, yeah, he's not crazy, he kind of went crazy. I do think it's your fault, yeah. You know what I mean, though? Like, I, I kind of ignited it because literally Kanye had not done anything crazy for a while. And then I tweet, yeah, he's not crazy. And then Ye kind of went crazy. Yeah, I, 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 like, you can, you can search tweets. Jake Shield seems to, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's, um, he's far, far right on the political spectrum. So it's not surprised these guys ended up getting into it. It's just dumb, man. I feel like, like, these are, Jake Shields is forty three years old. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Josh, you're lucky they didn't inside. You know, his fans didn't inside a riot at the BJ headquarters. <laughs> I mean, uh, you look out. Didn't storm the UFCPI. I mean, who knows? <laughs> right? If Jake you know? Shields, if Jake Shields wanted, he could have put out there, you know, something, and you know, some of them would have showed up. <laughs> they would have all showed up in their uh, in their uh, rolling gear and pulled guard. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody posted something, and it was uh, Mike Jackson when Jake Shields starts butt scooting toward him. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I we gotta we gotta get Mike on just to talk. You're right. I think we gotta get him on. Just I, think, I think I think it's we could such a ridiculous situation. I know. I, you know, but I, I, look, I need to listen to some interviews because I do want to ask him about it, but I want to give him some different questions. You know, just so yeah. he's a, li- a little bit more, you know, entertaining. I mean, I have some other questions for him, like since. Everything talking about the Dean Barry fight, that whole situation. Yeah, we had an interview since before that fight. So. Yeah, yeah, and we had asked him about that because that we, you know, that fight got canceled. You know. Yeah, and then it got rebooked. So, or, yeah, po- I mean, or postponed, I guess technically is the proper term. But I know that we fall on the 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 wrong side of this, um, at least in the MMA community. But I'm like, it, there's there's a there's a massive sense of irony to me that would be like, oh yeah, talk shit, get hit. But Jake Shields just pulled guard in the street. <laughs> I mean, come on, man! How are you gonna? Did, did he actually like instantly pull? Guard? I don't know if he pulled. According to Mike, he he said that he just tried to take. He, he didn't even like because he, he had all his boys there, and he just he tried to take him down. He's like, I didn't even realize we were fighting until I fucking. I thought he was just having a fucking mental breakdown, you know? Like, <laughs> and then and I was like, oh shit, we fighting, so I, I gouged him. You, you didn't send me an interview, man. Or something. He did this it with MMA Junkie. It was pretty funny, but yeah, this I mean, shit is comedy to me. I just cannot get past the whole comedy because it's Jake Shields. I mean, what else is he gonna do? I mean, I, Jake Shields is the only person to like have the bully. He he went on bully beatdown and he fought the bully. And this is there is like a misconception that like he lost the striking round. No, he did not lose the striking round. But the bully still if the guy if you guys have not forgotten if you guys forgotten the rules of 2007 hit show of MTV Bully Beatdown, let me walk you through. You know he fights they got like two rounds. I remember correctly, it's like oh excuse me three rounds. It's just like grappling, striking, and then a straight up MMA fight. And then if the bully gets through the first round, which is grappling, or excuse me, if they get through the first round, which is striking, they get five thousand. Get through the second round, they get another five thousand. Get through the third round, they get another five thousand. Jake Shields' bully made five grand that night because <laughs> on the feet, you know, it didn't, he didn't do anything. So it was uh, pretty funny. So, yeah, I mean, what else is Jake Shields going to do in a street fight? You know what I mean? You know, Somebody, you know I was going to say, speaking about a bully beatdown, yeah. do you ever remember the Andre Orlowski episode? Fuck yeah, dude. Do you remember what he said to, I think, uh, whoever the host was, or they uh, were talking? Mayhem Miller? 
I don't remember exactly how it went. Okay. I might have, I might have heard this on a podcast, but they had asked him, you know, who wouldn't you want to fight or whatever, and he said Andre Arlovsky, and then he fought, <laughs> and then he fought Andre Arlovsky. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. Oh my god, that, that show is comedy gold. I mean, I mean, it was, I mean, it was so fucking, it was so like it wasn't legit bullies for right now. I thought I heard it was like mostly people who needed money, if anything. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Wasn't Michelle Watterson on it? Uh, I don't think so. You know, Maybe. I think, I don't, I think I she was. Know. I could have sworn. I, well, you don't have to look this up afterwards, but I could have sworn she was. You might be right. I mean, there's a lot of people on there you don't, like, think of. You know what I mean? Well, I know Eddie Alvarez was on it. Um, fucking, I just, I just said Andre Orlowski. And I'm pretty sure Michelle Watterson had an episode. Maybe. They had, okay, so we can run down the list. A couple people I don't know. Michael Westbrook, who I didn't even know. Oh, shit, he did fight in MMA. I forgot about that. He's an NFL player. Eddie Alvarez, Jake Shields. Jake Shields fought on there twice in his bullies. Yeah, one bully made 5K. Jeez. I remember Jason Mayhem Miller fought. Yeah, you're right. Michelle Waters went on there. Yeah. Told you. 2010, yeah. Believe it or not, she beat a man. No, Daniel Cormier went on. I didn't even know DC went Wait, on there. DC went on there? I need to go watch that episode now. DC, Joe Riggs, Bobby Green, Tyrone Woodley, Eddie Alvarez. They had some killers on there, dude. Like, Woodley. <laughs> I mean, they're all killers, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I mean, that was a fun show. But back to the uh, – I mean, I should probably move on because I, mean, I don't think there's anything to really add, but – um. Um, yeah, I think the funniest part is, like, is I got a shit ton of people, like, You have to show me some of this stuff. This is too funny to me. It, I saw one, they're like, oh, Jake Shields, I found another soy boy for you to beat up. I'm like, <laughs> dude, if he, okay, so he just, he's please, fighting. please, actually, no, 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 Josh, no, yeah. please, please assault Josh. Yeah, pl- yeah, please assault me, Jake Shields, I'll fucking, I'll gladly take you. I will gladly get held in half guard for 90 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> And then sue the fuck out of you, dude. Like, come on. That's so dumb, guys. Like, what are we doing here? Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I think it's about time to move on. That's such a funny situation. Though. But anyways, uh, back to actual fight news that are not taking place uh, at the UTPI. Um, Paulo Acosta, Robert Whitaker, we knew that was going to go down to UC 284. Paulo said the entire time, though, he's like, I have not signed. <laughs> I have not signed with... Uh, I've not signed the contract. I'm not doing it. And um, everybody, even Whitaker's like, no, nah, that's not the case. Well, it turns out that is the case. UFC said it wasn't. Whitaker said it wasn't. That fight's off. They cannot come to a deal. And he's like, what's your reaction? Sucks. I mean, it seemed like, I mean, obviously, we had the illusion that it seemed like it was, like, conclusive. You know, it had been done. It, it was going to go through. But no, we were lied to. I mean, I don't think we were necessarily lied to, but we were uh, made to think that it was going to happen, and in reality, it wasn't. Which sucks because that was a banger of a fight. Um, but I'm sure they'll be able to find someone for Robert. But at the same time, it's so hard because he's so highly ranked and he's so good. You and you want to you want to put him against a guy who carries some kind of value and name power, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that card, it's still a really nice card, but this whole situation, the Paula situation is getting badly bungled by the uh, the UFC, man. I think so. And I understand he's maybe not the easiest guy to work with, but, like, they he and look, man, he called their fucking bluff. The UFC does this a lot. If you guys don't know about it, they'll, they'll announce fights before their 
before the finish. And almost always the fighters are like, well, shit, I guess I'm fighting him. You know what I mean? Paul's the first one to be like, no, nah, man, I'm good. Like, it's just, <laughs> you can, I don't give a fuck. You can announce me versus Izzy, announce me versus anybody. I'm not fucking fighting until I get a better deal. You know, he's, I think he's, I think he even said, like, they wanted to fight, um, 70, uh, 70, 70 was the deal. And he said, nah, I'm good. You know? Um, I, I get that because he's gonna have to travel. You know, that's he's traveling to Australia, which is a fucking fat. Fly. And fighting a killer, and fighting a killer. And so. you know what's funny is I would actually is I I get his point, but I do the opposite. I'd totally take this fight. The first thing I'm doing is bolting for the PFL. <laughs> because I mean, look, dude, that's the last fight he's gonna see deal. And uh, I like Rob Wilkinson a lot. Well, actually, isn't Robert uh, two hundred five? Well, I guess Paula would probably fight a two hundred five. Paula would probably fight a two hundred five. Because yeah, the I guess you're right. Yeah, fucking Paulo versus Rob Wilkinson two hundred five sounds like the most entertaining fight you can make outside the UFC, <laughs> or one of. But uh, I mean, the beauty of Paulo is I feel like he could literally fit in any promotion. I think he could fit greatly in one of C. I think he looked great out there. I think he could fit well in Bellator. And I think he could fit well in the PFL, but I don't think he would want to fight that often, though. Mm-hmm. That's my only issue. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think he would go to, you know, any. I don't think he'd go to PFL, but I think he could, I could see him another in one of those other two promotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think he fits everywhere, and that's the funny about the fun thing about Paulo is why I think it's so dumb that they're boshing the situation because the guy is he's a he's not a ready-made star but he's like the ultimate like oh shit paulo costa's fighting on this oh i gotta watch it now like he he's he's one of those guys where if you're thinking about buying a pay-per-view and you see oh he's in a fight against rob Whitaker, he's fighting luke rockwell he's fighting this guy or that guy you're like oh damn paulo always comes to bang i guess i gotta watch it you know what i mean um and those guys are valuable for the uc they're more valuable than they realize so um yeah just disappointing but Speaking of guys that aren't around anymore, or maybe around, uh, TJ Dillashaw, just literally two weeks after his announcing his retirement, he said, uh, you know, well, I mean, really, I mean, I'm retired, but depending on how things go, I could come back, you know, like, who knows, you know, if my training, if I, if I feel better in like a year, and maybe things, uh, like my business opportunities aren't really going the way I expected, maybe I'll come back. Um, Angel. Why does this man hate his body, and why did he retire in the first place? Uh, he's taking a Jordan year off, man. He's going to go play baseball. Uh, <laughs> you know? He's going to pull a Tony Ferguson and go to Harvard. Yeah, you know, I, I get it, you know? I, I'm, God. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think he should just enjoy retirement. He's He had he has a – I want to word this properly. He has a, 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 a good legacy that has – some blood's built on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of... I was admittedly 50-50 on the idea that he was actually retired because TJ strikes me as one of those guys that, A, would not allow himself to go on out, go out in a loss, and B, not allow himself to go out in a situation like he did where he was hurt and he knew that he couldn't maximize his, his potential and do everything that he wanted to do, right? See, that's what I told you. And yeah. you, were, you were kind of against me there for a bit. Yeah, well, I've, I've changed my mind, you know? Oh, um, oh so... so- now Will you fuck me? off, Angel? <laughs> okay, listen here, bitch. <laughs> no, no, but um, 
<laughs> hey man, I'm just standing my ground because <laughs> you were you were disagreeing hardcore was, with yeah, me there. But you know what? And then now after hearing his comments, I'm like, this motherfucker's not retired, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Case in point, <laughs> he'll be back soon. Uh, you know, I think he's doing the USADA rule now. I think so. Can you blame him though? Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, he's look, not- I mean, he he saw one he saw one ninety corner. He was like, "Yeah, I, I have to get on that." <laughs> Shit, man, lightweight TJ. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Come on, dude. It's gonna be more like welterweight TJ. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like five six. Welterweight. He's gonna be a fuck. Oh my god, who was it? Michael Prezat, uh, the the Brazilian guy. Starts with a P. Uh, the tractor, I think, was his nickname. That guy was five six fighting at one eighty five. So shit, TJ can do it, you know. Well, like, Josh, right now, if I cut weight, I can fight uh, whoever the two hundred five champ is. So oh no, shit, I'm just kidding. Glover Teixeira, here I come for you, motherfucker. I'm walking around. One, I'm walking around one eighty five right now. So I'm basically prime Jake Shields fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Josh, perfect weight for him to throw you around on the ground. I know, right? And then get bra- broken up in like sixty seconds, and I get I can retire for the rest of my life. But anyways, um, hell of a living if you can make it. But yeah, uh, T.J. Dillashaw, man, I think you can be back. But last piece of news, uh, I said Aaron Blanchard was going to be champion by twenty twenty by the end of twenty twenty three. I stand by that because she's going to be fighting Talia Santos next. I feel like everybody at this point kind of thought Talia Santos was probably going to rematch Valentina Shevchenko. It's been six months since Shevchenko's last fought, last fought, and it was that fighting against Santos, whatever. I think most people were split on it, on if who actually deserved the win. It was a rare 50-50 where I don't think most people were angry at the decision. Uh, or they also thought, you know, maybe Santos deserved the win. It was, it was a pretty 50-50 fight. Um, I thought most people thought, like, oh, yeah, Santos broke the shit out of her orbital, so she's going to... And they haven't booked anything else for Shevchenko, so I guess that was a fight to make. Well, not the case. Aaron Blanchfield, cold-blooded, just coming off that win over Molly McCann, will be fighting Talia Santos. No date announced yet. This is the news just got broken this morning. Angel, what are your thoughts on this fight announcement? Is it the fight to make, or would you rather see Talia Santos versus uh, Shevchenko too? I kind of wish they ran it back, man. I mean, she gave her a hell of a fight, the broken orbital. Um, like I said, I was a, uh, we kind of talked about it. Uh, a little bit there where I was kind of, I kind of wish it was a slower buildup. You know, it's, it's 10 going to one or two or whatever she is now. And she's so young. She has time and Talia Santos is available and men in Firo's right there. They had options and they could have literally built Blanchfield up even more and more and more and given her more experience and put her in a position to be uh, on a pay-per-view, you know, like on the main card or something. And, you know, just give, give her some buildup. And, and obviously this isn't her title fight or anything, but. If she wins this, the next fight's a title fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, you know what? Look, man, it's it's a. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the booking. As, as big of a fan as I am of Aaron Blanchfield, I feel like this is a fight she needs to have before she can actually, you know, like actually prove that she's gonna be a future champion. But I don't know. I've always had a weird feeling. But yeah, I admittedly, as big of a fan of I as I am of this fight, I would have rather seen the rematch. I mean, I think you have Valentina Shevchenko. Like, dude, I understand that Talia Santos lost, but she was not only winning, but, like, cleanly, very easily winning. She had, like, something like 10, like, something, like, insane. Um, like, something like five, seven minutes of back control just in those first two rounds. Like, she dominated on the mat, on the feet as competitive. But then she got, you know, head-butted and uh, broke her orbital. So I think that if there's, like, a time to go ahead and, run it back, and even though somebody wasn't a champion, 
that's probably the fight. I mean, Chevchenko lost a combined two rounds during her time of flyweight. And Santos argue, not only won two rounds, arguably won three. So I, um, yeah, I get it. I get it. But, you know, it is what it is. Very excited for that fight, Blanchard versus Santos. Any of the closing thoughts on that or anything else before we close out, man? I mean, I'm excited to see how it goes when it does happen. Obviously, that's a ways away now. We have a very long year ahead of us coming up, right? A lot of exciting fights. Obviously, starting off strong with, uh, you know, UFC Brazil whenever that happens here. And uh, not, not really. I mean, what is it? Not even a... Maybe three weeks, right? Something like that? Yeah. Um, and I was coming back with a pay-per-view, which is, you know, a massive bang. And like I said, let alone in Brazil. Um, kind of sad that we won't have a lot of MMA, but it doesn't end, Josh. Is we will come back and we will be watching potentially what could be the biggest MMA event of the year in Japan in the Saitama Super Arena. Let's go, baby. Bellator X Ryzen. Man. I hope they do the Pride style walkouts. Oh, they're going to. You know with, it. With the ramp, you know. Uh, they could get the Pride lady, sadly. She had, I, I guess, she had uh, surgery on her vocal cords, so you know, a little oh, heartbreaking. That's why. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I think a couple years back, so sadly, yeah, no, she she wasn't gonna be able to do it, and I don't know if she ever will be ever again. Obviously, I'm not gonna assume or anything, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have found that out. So, uh, it is what it is, but nevertheless. I'm excited for it, Josh. I'm I'm kind of happy that I'm not going to end the year empty. I feel like a lot of a lot of drama can still happen, and I I, I don't know, Josh. I hope we uh, I'm I'm going to try to learn as much as I can when we, when we do talk about that card, so we can kind of maximize the value of it and and enjoy it. I'm going to definitely have to go back and watch. Obviously, I know a little bit about these guys, and some of these guys have some history, and obviously we know the Bellator fighters well, but we really don't know the at least I don't know all the Ryzen fighters well. I know like a little bit. I know a little bit about the guy Aegis fighting. I know the guy who Horiguchi's fighting. This will be their trilogy. So, yeah, there's there's a little bit of sauce here and there. And I I've, I had a lot of fun doing the Sound Off Awards, Josh, as always. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It, I, it feels like it's the last episode of the year, but it isn't yet. No, and that's the weird part, is that it's not the last episode of the year, but... Just by virtue of the fact that, like, that card is not going to go down until, like, the 31st. And it's going to be, I'm pretty sure it'll be, like, technically the first in the U.S. based off of, like, the time zone differences. Uh, might as well do it now. But, yeah, man, hell of a, hell of a year, man. Hell of a year. Um, a lot of fun as always doing the Sound Off Awards. And a hell of a year, man. Just hosting again with you. Always fun. And, um. I, I know, right? We're going to, you know, hopefully for any more. And let's, let's run it back, Josh, one more year. One more year, at the very uh, least. Fuck you. I need, uh, you know, I'm waiting for you to send my contract to renew. Uh, oh, for, yeah, of course. Yeah, for, I'm, I'm in charge of all this. I, for, I'm for, very professional. Yeah, for co-host of the year, Josh, we haven't we haven't decided to renew my contract yet. Uh, you know, I, I, oh, have I gotta got, see what Nate's doing. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, Josh, I have gotten offers from from other podcasts. You know, they've they've sent some stuff. They they've offered me uh you know, an extension and a no, you know, no resign clause and a no, a no trade clause, no trade clause too. Okay, and, all right. You know, some bonuses that I can meet if I put up certain stats. Uh, but so, well, well, you know, that's that's neither that's neither here nor there, Josh. So you know, once you get in contact, I, I think you'll get me sorted out nicely. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> speaking of hosts, I'm at Josh Emanuel on Twitter. He's at underscore one at Courtside Sound for all things related to the show. 
Once again, sponsor of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. The holidays are still coming up. Hey, if you're doing some late Christmas shopping, if you want to get somebody energized with Rogue Energy or get them fucking high with Elixir, go ahead and do it with Coach Stalin for both, baby. Uh, hell of a year. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Hell of an episode. And uh, peace and butt grease. Mouse click. <laughs>